Good morning. Welcome to Discovery's Digital Gathering. We are glad you're here. We are excited for what God has in store this morning. We want to invite you to download our app, which will help you stay current with our community and get further connected by filling out our new visitor card. Let's prepare our hearts for worship and for the adventure of discovering the good news of Jesus together. Amen. I got to figure out where I'm supposed to stand so that I don't fall off the stage or trip. So we'll see what happens. Hang with me. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here at Discovery. It's great to be together. Thanks for joining the gathering today. Um, there's really no good segue into this, but I do want to take a moment this morning and pray for what's going on in our world. It's been a very troubling week. I'm sure you guys are aware of uh, the war that is taking place in, in Ukraine right now. And so I just wanted to pause here for a moment before brothers and sisters who are over there. There are people, I've seen reports of this, there are people who are meeting for church right now in communities that are under siege. And that's just like, I mean, we've been through a lot, right, in the last two years with the pandemic, but that's like a whole other kind of challenge. So I just want to take a few moments uh, and pray. I'm actually going to just invite you to bow your heads. We'll hold a moment of silence and then I'll, uh, I'll pray to close that time. But join me in, in praying for our brothers and sisters around the world, not just in Ukraine, but other places as well that are experiencing conflict right now. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning experiencing a wide range of emotions and reactions to the events of the last week. Maybe we're even still trying to, to figure out what we, what we think about all of this. But God, we know, the one thing that we know is that you are for peace you are for shalom. You are for right relationships between your people, your human beings who you have created in your image. And so I, I know, at least for myself, I oftentimes don't even know where to begin praying for something like this. But we do pray for peace. And God, in the midst of this conflict, in the midst of all the other things that are going on in our lives and in our world, would you uh, remind us, help us to be grounded in the truth that despite evidence that may speak to the contrary, you are king. Because you sent Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, God, you are king and your kingdom is breaking into our world. Again, even in times when it doesn't look like it, it doesn't feel like it. May we have confidence in this truth. Not, not a confidence that leads us to sort of glibly uh, pass by or pretend like these things aren't a big deal, but a confidence that even in the midst of war, and pandemics, your kingdom is still breaking through. 
And so, God, would you give us the eyes to see that? Now, we pray for our time in Scripture as we open your word. Would you hold all these things that we carry with us and bring into the space so that we can be fully present here in tune with your spirit? God, would you speak to us today right where we are? We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. And everybody said, amen. All right, if you have a Bible, open with me to Luke chapter 19. Today we wrap up our Vision 2022 conversation. We've been in the Gospel of Luke for this whole conversation. Luke 5, Luke 15, and now Luke 19. And this is a, a somewhat famous story. If you grew up you know, as a kid in church, you will probably be familiar with this story here in Luke 19. Begins like this, Jesus entered Jericho. Please remember the name of this town. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. So he ran ahead. He was short. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. If you've been around the last couple of weeks, this should be familiar, right? This seems to happen often. Jesus hangs out with someone, maybe a little unsavory, right? Here he's with the tax collector and people begin muttering and complaining. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Rah, 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 rah. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will give back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, notice this, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. And then Jesus closes this story with basically his mission statement. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Now, again, we're wrapping up a, a conversation about our vision, who we are becoming, who we are, where we are going as a church. I just want to review the last couple of weeks so that we're all on the same page here as we get into this final part of the of the combo. The big, big idea here is that God is doing something new. Again, even though it may look like uh, our world is going crazy, we believe wholeheartedly that God is doing something new in our moment. This is what we have been calling a new wine moment from Luke chapter 5. God is doing something new in our world, but also here at Discovery. And kids, those of you who have uh, been in the kids program the last couple of weeks, you know that one of our kind of core verses, Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. In fact, our kids have coloring sheets with this phrase on it today. We believe God is doing something new. And, and when we say that, what we really mean is that God is bringing renewal. This has been one of our key words, right? Renewal. A fresh movement of God through his spirit in this place at this time. And, and there's some marks of this. When God brings renewal, when there is a new wine moment, it tends to start at the fringe, right, with the less likely people, not in the positions of power or with the cool kids. It starts at the fringe. It upsets religious people. We see this again today. It upsets religious people and then the kingdom expands. The way that we said it is the, the kingdom table gets bigger. 
Starts at the fringe, upsets the religious folks, the kingdom table gets bigger. Now, what does that mean for us? And that's kind of the big picture overarching idea here. What we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is looking at this intentionally boring diagram called the triangle of change. The idea here is that every church does these things, okay? Grow, belong, serve. And so what we are doing is exploring our flavor of this. How and what are the unique ways in which we do these three things at Discovery. First week we talked about grow. We said new wine demands new wineskins. And so we reviewed what we call our trade-offs, right? Why we do certain things or prioritize certain things over others, like people over programs or stories over systems. Week two, wonderful story in Luke 15 where uh, his, uh, this, there's this father and he has two lost sons and he welcomes his sons home. God wants to put his family back together. His whole family. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe, people from different church backgrounds, people from no church background, people with negative church experiences, people with questions and doubts, those who are deconstructing and reconstructing, all are welcome. This is a big table. The way we say it here is you can belong before you believe. You can belong before you believe because God is about belonging. Now all of this brings us to this final part of the conversation in this word serve. Serve. Okay, this new thing, this new wine moment involves the church. I believe this uh, to the core of my being. This new wine moment involves the church recapturing a posture of generosity. The church is always at its worst when it is grabbing for power, when it is seeking domination, when it is holding on to control. The church is always at its best when it is broken and poured out like Jesus. When it gives itself away. So this is what we are after here at Discovery. Just a group of normal people, right? A church family of normal people who are discovering the good news of Jesus together. Who are trying to love God and each other with our whole self, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Who are broken and poured out for the flourishing of this place. Now, this brings us to Luke 19. I want to share three extremely obvious observations about this story. We'll do two, and then we'll hear a couple of stories from people in our community, and then we'll end with a third one. But here's the first obvious observation, okay? Get, get ready to write this stuff down. This is real good, okay? <laughs> Spent a lot of time on this one this week. I, I did, I did. Okay, don't worry. The first observation is this. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, Okay, duh, it says it right there in the story. But once again, it's worth pointing out that who does Jesus single out? Who does he point out when he's walking down this street and there's all these people that are crowded around him? He finds out of all of them Zacchaeus, right? The tax collector, the short, wealthy tax collector who had cheated all of his neighbors out of their money. Okay, not the most popular guy in town. Once again, Jesus hanging out with this fringy outcast type person. And, and by the way, this is Luke 19, right? So we're well into the story here. In just a couple chapters from now, Jesus will go to the cross, still hanging out with these people, still getting this negative reaction and pushback, right? The muttering that comes a couple verses later. 
Second ob- obvious observation, Zacchaeus encounters Jesus and he's changed, right? He's transformed by this. And, and it's, it's interesting to kind of put yourself into, into Zacchaeus' place because I get the impression that he went to this with very low expectations, Right, like all he wanted to do was just like, what's the big deal with this Jesus guy? I just want to get a, get a glimpse, get a picture, and then I can go home and, and say that I saw it, right? But what does he do? He ends, up, he ends up in a tree, which is kind of funny. Like, I don't know, it's just a funny thing to think about. He ends up in a tree, and he gets this view of Jesus, but there's something about that. Right, there's something about that action that catches Jesus' attention. Here's someone who is eager. Here's someone who's earnest. Here's someone who's not afraid to look a little bit silly. And so Jesus says, you, you in the tree, (laughs) I'm coming to your house for lunch. Now, when an important person invites themselves over to your house, I mean, this is a big deal even today in, in the 21st century here in the United States where we try not to think too much about hierarchy and pretend like that doesn't matter. But in this time... In this time, it was everything. Like even before Jesus comes over and, and, and Zacchaeus' whole life changes, this is probably the, mo- like the most significant thing that's ever happened to him. To have a rabbi single you out and say, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to your house. This might have been like the biggest moment in Zacchaeus' life up to that point. So Jesus invites himself over. It's a big deal. You can imagine, um, again, the muttering. You can imagine the tweet today. Saw Jesus, went into it. Shaking my head. Jericho Bro 2000. (laughs) Authentic encounters with Jesus. Leave us changed. Okay? Authentic encounters with Jesus leave us changed. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and his posture completely changes. He stops cheating people out of their money. And not only does he stop what he's doing, but he begins to make it right with his actual neighbors. This is as tangible of an expression of the kingdom of right relationships as maybe we get in any of the stories about Jesus. Half his possessions to the, to the poor, four times the amount he cheated, he returns. Authentic encounters with Jesus leave us transformed. And one of those transformations is from takers to givers. From takers to givers. If we follow Jesus, he will lead us into a life of generosity. Now, this word generosity, a lot of things for us. This is on us here at Discovery, and it is a big term. It holds a lot of things for us. This is on purpose. When we say generosity, we are referring to serving the church. We are referring to our, the practice of outreach, sharing our good news with other people. We're referring to blessing our city, giving our money. We're referring to the many partnerships that we have with people who are doing great work here in Davis and around the world, what's sometimes called missions. Okay, all of this for us is captured in this word generosity. Now, why is it so big, right? Why such a broad definition of the word generosity? Here's why. It's because generosity is more about our posture than it is about our performance. 
Okay, it's more about who we are becoming, the, the, the orientation of our heart, and less about the actual thing that we do. Sometimes we can get really hung up here on like, what are the three things that I have to do to be a generous person? And there will be things that you do to express generosity, but it's much more about the posture of our heart than it is about our performance. Now, what Zacchaeus does matters. Okay, it matters very much, right? The amount that he gives means a lot in his context, that network of relationships, the people that he was involved with. But it's really important that we do not turn Zacchaeus into a rule to be followed. Instead, he, he's a model. He's an example to help fire up our imagination, form our imagination for what sacrificial, restorative generosity can look like. So again, this is why we try not to make generosity about just one thing or a narrow thing. We want it to be a big thing because it's not just what we do. It's the kind of people we are becoming. People of generosity. Now, I've invited a couple of my friends, Brian and Lauren, to come and share part of their story with you. You guys can, can clap for them. <clears throat> One of, the, one of my favorite parts about this vision conversation this year has been getting to hear the stories of people in our community who are uh, living this out. I just want to say this. Um, Brian and Lauren are, are sharing their story, but there was a long list of people to choose from uh, when we were kind of thinking through this. So I'm grateful to them to be willing to do this, but there could have been any number of people up here sharing a little bit. And I... You guys can come on, come on down. I, um, I did not tell Lauren I was going to do this, so she's probably going to get mad at me. But um, last Sunday when I got here, I usually get to the theater at about 8, 8.15 to help with setup and get everything ready for the gathering. And I pull into the parking lot, and I see that somebody is picking up trash with a trash bag and one of those, like, thingies that you pick up trash with. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Someone's, someone's cleaning the parking lot. How great. And then I, I, get, I drive closer and I'm like, oh, that's Lauren. There she is, picking up trash, cleaning up the parking lot. Did not tell her to do that. As far as I know, nobody asked you to do that. Just did it because this is the kind of person that she is. I know. I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. But anyway, um, just to me, again, that, that's such a great picture and example of what we're talking about here. So I got a couple questions for you guys. First of all, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell everyone how you ended up in Davis, how you ended up at Discovery. So, hi, I'm Lauren. Um, originally, I'm from the Riverside area. I came up here to do my PhD, and I finished. I was like, I want to stay here. That's great. My name is Brian. Uh, I'm from Fremont in the Bay Area and stayed in California for my undergrad in San Luis Obispo and then um, in an attempt to stay in school for as long as I possibly can, I moved here and started a grad program here <laughs> uh, and I've been here since last fall. And you've got the right uh, sweatshirt on, so well done. Yeah. Um, Go Giants. So both of you guys are serving our community in some interesting ways. And do you mind just telling us a little bit about some of the ways in which you are serving, how you got involved with that, and, and what you're doing? Oh, sure, I can go first. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, so um, there is a, a handful of us, well, actually a lot of people from Discovery and some that aren't, um, that on uh, most Sunday mornings, uh, we pick up a box of donuts from Fluffy Donuts uh, and a box of coffee from Pete's usually. Uh, and we just go downtown and a little bit on the outskirts of downtown um, 
with that and with some granola bars and sometimes socks and, and different resources and uh, just sort of meet and greet uh, people in the community. Um, and most often it's people that are homeless, um, but there's lots of other people out and about on Sunday mornings too. Um, and we don't have uh, much of an aim other than to uh, meet people, build relationships, create space, and create community, and get to know and hear people's stories. Um, and uh, we're able to share our lives with them, hear about their, their lives, and uh, oftentimes we're able to pray as well. And um, most often we pray for the community at large. We ask people if there's anything particular they need prayer for, and they say no, just for everyone, <laughs> for the world, and uh, for what's going on. So um, yeah, that's, that's what we've been doing, I guess, for around since last fall, I think is when we began. Um, and that started here with, uh, I just asked my roommate Tate if he was interested in going out, and a few of us started uh, doing that on Sundays. But originally back in 2016, I got involved with uh, a ministry at my uh, home church there. Um, that was, they called it street ministry. And this was something they did regularly on Tuesday evenings. It was a big operation. They had like, they still going actually, they have routes throughout the city. People would get in their cars with a bunch of food and drive around to uh, encampments. And, and there was people they already knew. They had relationships. And um, and it was uh, really, it changed my life in a number of ways. But um, the thing that struck me the most was just the focus on building relationships. It wasn't about uh, fixing anything in particular, which that was a there was a learning curve there for me, which I'll talk about later, but um, it was really just about, yeah, creating space and getting to know people, and um, I, I learned so much through that, and it's, um, yeah, like I said, made a huge difference in my life, so it's something that we're doing in Davis now. Awesome. Yeah, and I, wrote, I get kind of nervous talking on stage. I wrote me down. Um, I'm on a team of community members who remove graffiti and trash in Davis Parks. <laughs> Um, uh, we've taken on the responsibility of actually taking care of Community Park right here on a regular basis and have been asked to take care of other parks and green belts now. Um, how we got to this point is a lot of steps. Uh, so I did volunteering and graffiti abatement for a few years in Vacaville through the Father's House We Love Our City program, uh, but in the beginning of 2021, the city took over that. They didn't need us anymore. And um, I really loved doing it. Like, I, I love cleaning <laughs> and picking up trash. Uh, so I didn't want to stop. Um, our, our leader of, like, who led the graffiti over there, he's like, well, you should check out and see what's going on in Davis. Hmm. So I reached out to the city. It took a few months and a lot of emails. But we were able to set up a meeting with the police department liaison. A good friend of mine who was in Vacaville came with me, and um, special thanks to Carrie Palmer, because she went and got trained with me as well. And the three of us got together for the first time to clean up Community Park back in uh, late summer, early fall last year. Mm. And since then, we've seen our team go from three to 14. Um, we've seen the relationship with the city and their trust in us. You can clean Community Park, and now, we have permission to clean like any park, any green belt, and, um, and soon we're gonna be able to go out to downtown and really just do stuff there with the city. Awesome. So I, I know that I just said that generosity is more about a heart posture than like performance, what we actually do, but what you guys do is really cool. And I, there is that like, we, at some point it, 
that heart posture needs to turn into something practical, right? So if someone is here today and they're kind of like, man, I, I, I want to do something. I feel like God is calling me to do something, but I have no idea like how to do that or where to get started. What encouragement would you give to someone who's working through that process right now? So uh, first, I would say to try different things out. If an opportunity comes that seems like something you'd be interested in, uh, check it out and know you don't have to commit right away. You can take time to find what you're passionate about, and you can trust that there will be others that also feel that call. Um, second, I think Brian and I both agree, we're both just one of so many people here that serve, and we're really like we're both really honored to be up here. Um, but we also feel like we kind of have strange dreams <laughs> and stuff that we like. And um, I think if you if you have kind of a weird dream, like graffiti abatement, um, it's sometimes hard to step out and serve when you think maybe I'm the only one with this passion. Um, but I was thinking about what you discussed last week, and God can bring belonging in any area, and that includes serving. So I'd encourage you to... Share what God puts on your heart, what stirs up a passion in you with those you trust would encourage and walk alongside you. I hope it's okay. Can I keep going? Um, sure. Uh, just like to, to share like what this looked like in my story. So when the program ended in Vacaville, I really wanted to keep doing it, and I was pretty sad that it ended. Um, but I didn't know who'd want to join me here in Davis um, or even where I would store equipment because we use paint over there, and we had a truck with a load of paint, not what we do here. Um, and I had a lot of questions of how it'd be feasible, and I prayed and I talked with this idea with my friends in Vacaville, but then I went and shared it with some women here at Discovery. Um, and I just wanna say thank you to the Discovery women's team, Janine, Tara, Ryan, Marissa, because they fully encouraged me to move forward and to pursue it, um, even offering to come out, and Marissa was willing to open up space in her garage so I could store equipment. And, um, and especially to Carrie Palmer, because when I told her, she just got so excited. And she went and got trained with me, came out on it. Um, and also a big thank you to Trevor as well, because when he learned about it, he became like a rock in our team. Um, so a few weeks after doing these initial outings, we get an email from the police department. And it said, um, got an email and it said, hey, someone in the community is dying to do this. They want to do this so bad, but they've had no one to do it with. Mm -hmm. um, and so me, they're like, yeah, let's, let's get together. Let's make this a Davis, like huge community thing. Um, since then others have come and joined in and outside of Discovery. Um, so I say all this to say that you don't know who's waiting to be in your community and who's ready to serve with you until you jump in. Wow, that was cool. <laughs> uh, I would echo the, the first thing that, that Lauren mentioned is that, um, yeah, you just have to sort of try things out and, um, and step out and see how, how you feel about certain avenues if you don't have uh, something that uh, you know you want to be doing. Actually, prior to starting joining that street ministry team back in 2016, um, I was wanting to start serving at that church in some capacity, and my brother was doing set up and tear down because it was at high school like this. So he was setting up all these tents outside. Um, so I started doing that, and he had to be there at like 5.30 in the morning, and uh, I was like doing it we for We had to be here at 8, so. Yeah, yeah, it's better here. Um, I was doing that for a while, and, and just 
started dreading Sunday mornings and took me longer than I would care to admit to realize that that probably shouldn't be uh, how you feel. I stopped doing that, thankfully. Uh, and then actually they had a Sunday morning where they talked about that street outreach team and, and I started that and it was, um, that was right away, I wanted to that that was something I was interested in doing. So yeah, like, like Lauren said, it's just kind of trial and lots of trial and error. Um, my other encouragement would be um, to uh, reach out to, like, find people that are doing things or talk to people about ideas that you have and try to form some sort of community around what it is that, that you have a passion or a vision for um, because doing it with other people um, makes a huge difference. Uh, and also, as you take steps in, in whatever direction you're going, just um, to be uh, open uh, to... Uh, learning a lot and to being corrected and instructed in in, uh, in what it is that you're doing, and I'll, if time allots, I'll sh I was going to share a story, a, a, a big part of my story too, that surrounding that idea. Um, it wasn't long after I started doing the street outreach um, in Fremont that uh, it's some mixture of being 18 and being human. I was just sort of frustrated with not seeing things change in some way that I thought they should be changing. <clears throat> Whatever my definition of change was, I guess I didn't see enough of it. And it, looking back, it wasn't, uh, they weren't negative, like, they weren't bad things that I was desiring, just people to be uh, freed from their addictions or just have healthy relationships and things like that. I just wanted to see that happening. Um, and a really good friend of mine who, he was the guy that drove the truck around uh, Fremont, his name was Travis Taylor. And he, um, I was gonna say reminded me, but I think he probably taught me um, gently but firmly uh, that uh, there's a lot more going on in uh, the kingdom of God than uh, we get to uh, see all the time. There's just so much that we're unaware of. Um, and it's not always or often or ever uh, necessarily our job to be evaluating things as much as it is to uh, be um, just serving faithfully with what it is that we've been given uh, in the ways that we feel like we should um, and to not need that to, to, be, to look a certain way. Um, and that was, um, just kind of blew my mind and, and changed my life a lot. Um, it, I don't know what happened that made that sink in so deeply, but um, I just had realized like, wow, I think I just wanted everyone's life to look like mine and that's kind of a weird thing to want because I'm not necessarily super satisfied with my life. <laughs> um, so uh, th that was just like, yeah, it, it was uh, a big moment in my life. And I think just being open to wherever it is that, that you, whatever it is you step into, just learning so much more than you might ever expect uh, and, and, and willing to sort of change direction with, with that too. Um, and then lastly, if you don't have something that you're like, I'm super passionate about, because not a lot of people don't feel that way. I would, I would encourage you to find someone that does have some weird passion uh, and, and uh, jump alongside them because there's a lot to be gained from that too. Hmm. Thank you guys. Um, I'm sure they'd love to tell you a little bit more about some of the things that they're doing. So you can grab them after the, the gathering is over and, and ask them some more questions. Um, one final observation, final obvious observation, and then uh, we'll come in for a close here. So the third thing is this. Zacchaeus lived in Jericho. 
It's worth mentioning is because he lived in a bohu place. And he lived with neighbors, people who he cheated. And there's a lot of times where, where we tend to turn discipleship into principles, ideas, philosophies, and we lose the fact that it has to get worked out in real life with people that you actually live with. I think we've lost the power of our place as part of our discipleship process. When you think about the saints of church history, they are always named with the places that they were from. St. Francis of Assisi, St. Augustine of Hippo, St. Ignatius of Loyola, a more modern example, St. Teresa of Calcutta. You cannot separate the person from the place, the place from the person. The great saints were formed by the place that they lived, St. Zacchaeus of Jericho. And so my prayer, I mean, you heard a little bit of it already, but my prayer, my desire for our church, for discovery, is that we would love Davis and that we would accept this place, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as part of our formation in the ways of Jesus, that we would love Davis and care for Davis and be concerned for Davis. Now, this doesn't mean that we think everything is great and we, we try to pretend like there are no issues here. Of course there are issues. We've named many of them over the years that I've been here. So part of loving a place is being able to see it for what it is, to speak truthfully and prophetically, to name the idols, but to do so from a place of love and a place of I'm in this and not just from a place of cynicism. Can we love this place and can we embrace the gift of stability? This is extremely countercultural. This is extremely countercultural, this idea of stability. Think about it this way. How would Zacchaeus, how would the Zacchaeus story unfold today? Well, first of all, he would not have gone to see Jesus in person. He would have been watching an Instagram story or a YouTube video. And then he would have said, wow, Jesus is really cool. I should do something. He would have done some internet research. And then he would have thought, wow, I'll go to Egypt, right? I'll move from Jericho and go to Egypt and, and dig some wells. Now, do not get me wrong, Okay. Getting excited about a cause, going somewhere to help meet that need is a good thing. That is a generous response. But Zacchaeus, St. Zacchaeus of Jericho, has a personal encounter with Jesus. He comes to his house and then he reconciles, he serves, he is generous towards the actual people that he lived with. His neighbors, Joe, who he had taken, you know, $1,000 from, and this guy over here. Like, he, imagine that for a moment. Those are some awkward conversations, right? Making it right with the people that he was actually with. That's the kingdom of God going from not just a cool idea, but to, but to a lived reality. Not an abstract philosophy, but into our real everyday lives. By going into the, the messiness of actual places, the saints become larger than life. We still talk about them and think about them because of their deep investment in a small place. Huge influence from a deep investment in a small place. We try to do the investment in place or in many places. The saints gained huge influence by making a deep investment 
in a small place. And let me tell you, okay, this is, I really struggle with this. Since I graduated from high school, I've been in this pattern of like three years here, five years there, four years here. Very normal. Many people get caught up in that cycle and for oftentimes very good and very practical reasons. But there is a gift of stability. There is a huge influence that comes from making a deep investment in a place for a long period of time. And this is what God has been working on in me and my heart and my story. Amy and I have been talking about this a lot. We're here. We're going to be here for a long time, God willing. And we want to see, okay, what does that look like to make this commitment to a place for a long period of time? What will God do with that? So here's our challenge. This is where I want to land the plane for Vision 2022 is to embrace the formative power of this place, to give and receive the gift of stability. Two aspects of this. First one is church stability. Now, I just want to say some of you will only be in Davis for a while, and that's totally fine. I'm not trying to get everybody to stay here forever. Some of you are like, oh, good. Good. But you can be all in here at Discovery and the new thing that God is doing here while you are here. I think about this group of students that's about to graduate this year who is sticking around to intern with us. Such a beautiful story. Choosing church stability for an extra year. I think about our, our grad students. We have like uh, our setup and teardown team right now is like the PhD crew. Um, there's like some of the most brilliant people in the world are pushing bins around here on a Sunday morning. But just these are people who when they get here, like the clock is ticking immediately on how long they will be here. But they have thrown themselves in wholeheartedly to serving this church and this mission. I think of those of you who have stuck around Discovery for a while. This month actually is the 20th anniversary of this church. Yeah. You can clap for that. <clears throat> Those of you who have been around a while, you know that's a big deal. Like there was a few moments, right, where it was like, is it going to make it? Even in just since the time I've been here, I felt that a little bit. But here we are, 20 years later, still here. You have been here through ups and downs, through some crazy stuff. But it's a gift to be in a, commu in a church community for a long time. There is something gained through that commitment that is lost when we jump around from place to place. So, some of us, the challenge might be to church stability. For others of us, we need to consider stability of place. Now, again, I recognize that some of you have put down roots in, in Woodland or one of the other surrounding communities. That's great. I'm going to use the word Davis because that's where our church is. But you can apply this anywhere. And then, again, I also recognize not all of us will be here forever. And, in fact, those who stay in Davis long term may actually be in the minority. But I think that makes this challenge all the more important. Some of us need to be here for a while. It might be easier to go somewhere else, more exciting to go somewhere else, cheaper to go somewhere else. Are you with me? But some of us will need to stay and make that deep investment into this small place. But watch your influence go. Yeah, you know, have your Bible. You want to write this in Luke 19. I want you to write down St. Steve of Davis. Don't write my name. <laughs> write your name, or Woodland, or whatever, you know, whatever your community is. St. Steve of Davis. 
St. Crystal of Woodland, St. Justin of Davis. Let this place shape you and be part of what it looks like for you to be formed into the ways of Jesus, into the abundant life that he offers. Invite the, the band to come back and get ready here for communion. If you have your communion elements, you can pull those out now. And I just want to close with this. Jesus, his most often referred to title is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Even Jesus, right, was thinking from a place. And, and you know, we think of Jesus as um, this rabbi, this teacher who went around to different places and did miracles. And he totally did all of that, right? But that was three years of his life. 30 years of his life was Nazareth. This tiny little backwoods town in Galilee where he knew people. People knew him. All the ladies that changed his diapers were there. All the guys that laughed at him when he hammered a nail crooked were there. Right? Like he was formed by that place. And then when he goes to begin his ministry and, and ultimately when he goes to the cross, he goes as Jesus of Nazareth. God, who is omnipresent, omnipotent, all those, all those big theological things that we say, right, limits himself to this little tiny region for 30 years. But it shapes him in this profound way. So discovery, as we get ready for communion, as we wrap up our vision conversation this year, may we choose the way of Jesus. May we choose the way of generosity. And may we embrace this place as part of our process of becoming like Jesus. May we be broken and poured out for the good of our neighborhoods, our streets, our parks, our schools, as Jesus is broken and poured out for us. May it be so in Davis as it is in heaven. When you're ready, take communion as we worship together.